This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. This is Bird Shooter. Welcome to uh, episode number 19 at N2 Backpacking. This is bonus audio from an interview with 30-Pack, who completed the 2,600-mile Pacific Crest Trail this past summer. I encourage you to listen to episode number 21st, which is the initial PCT interview with 30-Pack. But he was just hitting a stride as we wrapped up the original podcast, and I uh, compiled an extra hour of conversation with 30-Pack, where he speaks uh, very passionately about his uh, experiences this summer and offers up some additional insight on the PCT. So here's more discussion with 30-Pack. There he is. What's going on? Hey, sorry about that. I just think I could answer that one a little bit better. Dogs on the PCT. I I don't see very many pictures of dogs hiking the PCT. You see them all over the AT. Why is that? I don't exactly know the reasons why other than the desert is hot. Um, So I don't think it's the best environment for dogs. And, you know, we're carrying five liters, so you can't really carry extra water. And, you know, some of the national parks you're not allowed to have dogs. So I'm not sure, you know, exactly, you know, on the AT, it was like the Smokies, you couldn't have dogs in Baxter State Park. I don't know the rules exactly on the PCT, um, but I only saw, you know, maybe three dogs, but, you know, someone that I finished the last 100 or so miles with, Werewolf and Luna, they had a dog. Um, what's what's the, what's up, dog? <laughs> and, Perfect. Uh, but so they had a dog that hiked, you know, maybe the second half of the trail. Sup dog, that's it, sup dog. I don't know why I said what's up dog, but you know, everyone walks up to dog and says sup dog. Uh, but, but for the most people that are on the PCT that are through hiking, they're not, they're, they don't have a dog with them, it sounds like, huh? Correct, yes. I only saw two people with dogs the whole trail that were through hiking. And how does that compare to the AT? Because I, I personally saw a lot of dogs. I don't know about you. Yeah, I probably, on the AT, I probably, you know, yeah, 60 dogs. You know, a, a, a lot of the people have dogs that, that have dogs on the PC, on the AT, and yeah. they're rare on the PCT. All right, well, I noticed that just from looking at your photos. So what about trail towns, trail towns that you loved, um, your favorite, your favorite trail town on the PCT? Favorite trail town, which I am totally biased on, and it's probably not, even considered a trail town would be Cajon Pass, which is where there is a McDonald's, a hotel, and a gas station. But that's where I had my 26th birthday yeah. this year, and it was I I like that because the night before, me and I was with my buddy Rub a Dub, and we were only going to hike 16 miles, but we ended up doing. 24 miles and night hiking to McDonald's and listen to Dark Side of the Moon, night hiking into just to get fast food before midnight and so we could take a zero on my birthday. And there had to be 15, 20 hikers that came into Cajon Pass that day. And me and Hot Tub, we hitchhiked 20 miles, 30 miles to a grocery store and got hot dogs and hamburgers. And there was a pool and we had a pool party. And that was actually the first time I kissed 
Alex also was at Cajon Pass. But a lot of the towns, it's sort of your own sentimental feeling to it. Idlewild was another town that was my favorite. Idlewild was towards the beginning, um, but totally trail trail townish, you know. There's only a few towns on the PCT, though, that were, you know, I don't know how to say it, trail towny, I guess. Um, Sierra City, Agua Dolce, Syed Valley, and Winthrop up in Washington um, were all great towns. Um, but the trail towns are a lot different um, than the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. On the AT, there was, you know, 10 or so towns that you walk right, you know, in Hot Springs, North Carolina, you walk right down the sidewalk. It's totally a trail town. We're on the PCT at some points, you know, we're hitchhiking 30 miles to get into a, a town. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that, right? It's just a totally different experience on the on the uh, PCT than the AT. Oh, I mean, totally. you know, Yeah, I mean, not only is it fewer trail towns, but it's a much longer distance to get to them, right, on a hitch? Yeah, yeah a, lot spread, a lot more spread out and I mean, the, we're not hitting roads all the all the time. There was one point, listen to this, Bird Shooter, where we had to hike seven miles off the trail just to get to a parking lot to hitch down to a road to get into the town. Yeah, I think that's why maybe the AT is sort of a good first through hiking trail and the PCT, CDT better be left to somebody that's got at least 100 or 2 miles 200 miles under the belt, right? Yeah, I, so I'm so, well, for that matter, I, I'm glad that I hiked the AT first. Uh, for for another example, after I did the PCT, went back to Virginia and hiked sections of the AT, just day hikes, I was like, oh my gosh, I missed the PCT because the grain of the trail is so much easier on the PCT where the AT is just straight up and down. When I was hiking on the AT, I was like, this can't be the trail. Yeah, because, I mean, the PCT, and I don't know about the CDT, but for sure the PCT is graded for horses, correct? Correct, yes, yes. And you do see a few horses. Um, not too many, but there's a, a good amount of horse poop on the trail. Well, and, and, and I, you know, I'm sure you're like me. Nobody likes to step in horse poop. But at the same time, the uh, the horseback riders are the part of the people that keep that trail like it is, right? They're a big influence on the maintenance, right? Yes, yes, that is right. Yeah, there is some uh, some sections where the, you know they ride in on horses to do trail maintenance. And it, I was, I mean, the trail maintenance on the PCT, well, the AT also. Both trails are so well maintained. The PCT obviously doesn't have white blazes to follow all the time, which is very convenient. But it's a pretty easy trail to follow and, and very well maintained. Hey, so what about trail towns? Because um... Uh, or excuse me, I, we just talked about trail towns. What about hostels in these trail towns? Did you have a favorite uh, hostel anywhere along the ride? Yeah. Um, another difference, I guess we could all link this under differences on the AT, but you know they come together when you mention these questions. On the on the PCT, I only stayed at I want to say two hostels where. They have a lot of trail um, magic houses. So there's like the Softleys and the Andersons and Ziggy and the Bear. And 
and different places where it's donation based. Um, the Softleys, which is in Agua Dulce, that's right, you know, 450, 450 miles from the border. They have like a full setup. You walk in and you're dropping your laundry here and taking a shower and they got cots and they got tents and, you know, they're cooking out and they got this big fire pit and they got movies in this trailer and, and the Andersons have an amazing setup, but that's donation based. Um, so I only stayed at, you know, one or two actual hostels. A lot of the time we were staying in, you know, four of us in a, in a motel six. Um, so I stayed in a lot more hotels versus hostels. So they don't have the sort of, uh, I mean, because the AT is just littered with hostels, right? And I'm sure a lot of the hostels are former through hikers that were passionate about the hike and decided to go open a hostel. But you, you don't really have that as much on the PCT right now? No, it's mainly southern to middle California, and then it it really it really dies out. We had uh, I did stay in a really nice hostel in Winthrop, Washington, which is Rainy Pass, which is sixty miles from the Canadian border. But yeah, yeah, not a lot of hostels. Yeah, I mean, and you know, for the listening audience here, it's a crap load of work to run a hostel, right? It's a lot of work okay. for not a lot of money. I mean, you don't do it for the cash. You typically do it for the uh, passion, right? Right, right. So, you know, maybe that'll change. You know, Cheryl Strayed's movie coming out, PCT hiker numbers go up. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's all about the numbers, and that's probably why most of them are in the south. But also you'll find them, like, around Tahoe or, you know, different places, Snoqualmie Pass, where people – can ski in the winter so the hostels have a multi-purpose you know for the summer hikers and then the winter skiers and you know those people got to make a living i think sometimes uh hikers forget that right that these guys right, uh, right. and women running these hostels have they've got to feed themselves you know yeah yeah but the i mean the trail the trail angels on the the pct were amazing i mean you get full I mean, it's just like you're at home when you're at some of these Trail Angels' houses. And there was a lot of those, um, which was different than my experience on the AT. You know, I I saw that a couple times where on the PCT, you know, there's like six houses that, you know, fully take care of you. Yeah, yeah. So so the love story. Casey, do you want to tell us uh, when you first met Alex? Yeah, yeah, that was um, definitely the highlight of the trail um i'd say my life too the first the first day i met alex was my my third day on the pct and i was hiking up this hill and i saw her on the side of this hill she has these amazing blue eyes and her hair's red hairs lit up in the sunlight we talked for a minute and then i kept walking and we kind of walked and talked and got to get to know her a little bit, but really didn't get to start hiking with her for a lot. So probably 450 miles in, um, but we probably hiked 2000 miles of the trail together. And my favorite day on trail by far would be around Crater Lake about a mile or two after Crater Lake was the first time that we exchanged I love yous. Um, I mean, it was awesome. We we spent a lot of time together, and I, 
enjoy every part that she has to offer. She's a really sweet girl. You guys had some great shots at the um, at the at the final monument spot right on the Canadian border. I like those pictures. Those are classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so, I mean, any chances that you guys will be doing uh, the CDT together in a couple of years? Well, after I convince her to marry me, we will hike the CDT. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, I'm hoping that she'll come along with me in 2015 would be the hope. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully that works out. So that means the next interview will actually be a dual interview. It will. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like the idea. <laughs> yeah, then you don't have to listen to my childish voice for an hour. I, you know, I don't know, Casey. You're the most popular download in the N2 backpacking series right now, so that there must be a reason for that. It dates back to the uh, episode 13 on the AT. <laughs> it's probably from when that Black Widow bit me in the butt. I, I don't know. So any final thoughts uh, you want to just kind of throw out there on the PCT? Just... Um, just, uh, you know, get somebody expired, expired, get somebody inspired, fired up to do a hike. If you, if there's anything that you can do right now, hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It was the best time of my life. Do it. I think what you're really saying, actually, Casey, you're really saying hike it before the movie comes out, because when the movie comes out, you're going to be hiking with five times the normal number of hikers. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a, a better thing to say. Yeah, hike it before the masses get massive. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Bird Shooter. It's hard to fire someone up without just saying it's the best thing I've ever done with my life. Hey, I'm I'm actually on your Facebook page. I just found your uh, your pictures in Washington where you're in the snow with snowshoes. That's the real deal. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was the real deal. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was part of. That was the best. There was one section that was nine days from Stevens Pass to Rainy Pass, and we're in snowshoes and we camped in the snow two nights. It was cold, and it was the best hiking of my life. Um, it was totally different. I've never snowshoed before, but we're going into these untouched, pristine valleys, you know, where the only tracks in these valleys are big elk and, and bears, and we're following cougars, and then we're going over these mountain passes where literally if you slid, it, you'd probably die, and we went through a few sketchy areas, and then beautiful areas, and then luckily on some of the south side climbs, the snow had melted, so... These four-mile climbs were just breezing up, and then we're going down in the snow with our snowshoes on. And that was that was definitely, I mean, there's so many favorites that I could tell you about, but snowshoeing those last those last two weeks in the snow were ridiculous. So see the, I'm sorry, did you see the video of the fighter jet that swooped under us? Yeah, that was cool. I did see that. That was awesome. That I thought that was so cool because how many times do you think? You know, someone could be like, yeah, I was on the top of a mountain where a fighter jet was under me, you know? Yeah, that, that was that was a cool point in your movie. I like I like the way you set your movie up in the beginning, too, where you're doing cartwheels and that was that was that was pretty solid. Yeah, we keep it fun. Did I uh, did you did you know that I had a badminton set for about 2000 miles? You know, I saw 
those nets on the side of your backpack, and I thought you were collecting butterflies. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you were playing badminton because I'm yeah. like, dude, he's not connect, he's not collecting butterflies, is he? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's uh, in my near future. I do like butterflies, though. <laughs> that's funny, man. Um, that's yeah, funny. yeah. The bad we played a a lot of not a lot of badminton, but when we found a good flat service surface, we had some fun. You know, we're just trying to volley it. It's not competition. Hey, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just trying to keep the experience lively. Right, right. Oh, it was I, funny. One day, I had a a guy walked by me on the trail, and he asked me if I was if I was keeping up with the badminton worldwide tournament or whatever. And I was like, no. And this guy, I guess there's like a world, it's like a, a, a league that they have, you know, professionally. A federation. Yeah. <laughs> paying, mem- paying membership. I thought he was joking, but. <laughs> you know, there seems like there's a club for everything these days. You, you I mean, you, you have some amazing shots on uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Oh, there's, there's just when you really think about it. Well, it's also different, like looking at a computer screen other than sitting down with someone, you know. Yeah, no, you're totally right, man. I think that's what throws me off a little bit. But there's just so many <laughs> stories, um, so it's so hard. Like there was this one. I mean, there's this. I mean, I have a hundred stories. You could. That's why I'm going to write a book. There's this guy we meet. So in the desert, if you can imagine this, I don't know, maybe 200 miles into the trail, there's a place called Deep Creek Hot Springs. And so, you know, you're in the desert, you follow this little canyon where there's a small river going through, and then there's like four hot springs. And we meet this nudist there. It's this nude guy, and he hikes around naked, and he's hanging out in this waterfall. He's older, you know, in his 60s. And... I forget his actual name, but his trail name would be Coppertone. <laughs> that is a great trail name. And he was—he um, wasn't a creepy guy. He was a, a really awesome, cool guy. And he ends up outburst and hot tub. He just loves them, and so he meets us at like six places along the trail. But when we meet him at this Deep Creek Hot Springs, he tells us that he'll be at this road in X amount of days, and he'll have root beer floats for us. And we kind of, we didn't really believe him at first. And what do you know, like, we forgot the day, but somehow we're there on that day, and he's sitting there, he wasn't naked this time, with root beer floats for us. And then he ends up meeting us in, like, five other places. We see him one time walking down the trail naked, because he'd hike around naked on the trails. But he, he's giving us root beer floats all through the desert. It was incredible. Yeah, that that's uh, that's a winner in the desert for sure. So you you had to meet some other colorful characters on the trail. You got anybody else that uh, you can uh, share with the audience? I guess. Uh, oh, um, oh, you know, not a lot of. I don't know. Some some of the stories aren't probably appropriate, but a lot hey, of people. I, I can always edit. No worries. Yeah, I mean ninety. I mean most of the people I met, bird shooter, um, to a surprise maybe, were just really 
good, down-to-earth, loving people. I mean, all just about everyone that I can think of on the trail, it's not like, oh, this guy's lost his mind. It's like, oh, like, a lot of love out there. Um, you know, I didn't have a, any real bad experiences or crazy people to talk about. I think you know, it's so, so crazy, though. Sometimes the best experiences are the uh, most colorful experiences, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, I, I can't think one, think of one uh, off the top of my head. Gotcha, man. Anything else that we haven't covered that we need to cover? Um, you could take this one little clip and throw it in there. Um, if you hike the Pacific Crest Trail, go to the dentist in Chester, California. Don't don't wonder why. Just go. That's all. That's all I can say. Wow, that's an endorsement. He must be he must be friendly to the PCT community. Yeah, but I know like one of the trail angels started because someone broke into his house. Like someone was in the desert and a random snowstorm came out of nowhere. They threw a rock through his garage and like stayed there for a day. Um and they left like forty dollars for to replace the window and explain the situation. And the wow. guy never really hiked before or anything, but he was like, it kind of just inspired him. He was like, oh, I'm right here, and I don't use that garage, and that evolved to a whole trail angel in house where he has cookouts every day, you know, and water caches. Um, I mean, there had to be some places that totally surprised you, you know, like some areas that surprised you. Some Yeah, you know what was um, – some people were kind of getting bummed out about California because, you know, people say they get the Virginia Blues on the AT because it's, you know, it's one-fourth of the trail, 500 miles. And, and California is 1,700 miles, you know. It's, you know, there's only, you know, 1,000 miles left after that. So people sometimes get the California Blues and, oh, I can't wait to get out of California. And right when they're saying that is like when some of my favorite sections of trail – came up in northern california you have syed valley which is just a real small town but it's one of the bigger climbs coming out of town and i night hiked up that climb and camped on this ridge with outbursts and hippie longstocking and it was one of the best campsites on the trail and then before that was the sierra buttes and and I don't know the exact definition of buttes, but like big rock type, you know, rock formations on the top of a hill. And that was one of the biggest climbs on the trail. And it was almost like the parts where people were kind of like being like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And the whole trail, a lot of Oregon um, was amazing with Mount Hood and Mount Jefferson and going up the Jefferson Basin was a real cool area. We go on this one little ridge, and you have Mount Hood or Mount Jefferson right behind you and Mount Hood right ahead of you, and you see Mount Helens this way, Mount St. Helens this way, and you kind of like, you know, you follow. You look at a mountain from 30, 40 miles out. You did it with Shasta, and, and then you loop around it, and then you look at another mountain, and you loop around it. So there was just so much the the Three Sisters Wilderness in Oregon was amazing. Crater Lake 
was phenomenal. We saw the we caught the sunset or the sunrise on Crater Lake and and cowboy camped right on the rim, which you're not supposed to do, but we didn't leave any traces. And there's just so the whole trail. I'm looking at like the the map right now from south to north, and there's not one section that I'm like, oh, I would not do that again. Because the whole thing just blew my mind. I, I was checking your pictures out on Facebook, man. You have amazing photos from that area. Just, like, shockingly beautiful. I mean, really, Bird Shooter, the, the most magnificent part of the trail was how much you can appreciate the Sierra Nevadas when you get there. Oh, so yeah. we start in the desert for 700 miles, and... And what you do really for the beginning is you walk over a desert section, you climb up over a mountain or a ridge, you drop down, hit another desert floor, and then do that again. So you're going up, and then you go flat, and then you go up, and then you go down. And then after 700 miles of the desert, all of a sudden, boom, there's trees, and there's water everywhere, and rivers, and lakes, and snow, and and rocks, and it's just mag. It's such a grand entrance going into it from that perspective you have that appreciation where you know you know you walk for six weeks to get to the sierras speaking speaking of the desert i meant to ask you and we never had this conversation like in your uh excuse me in your video you've got some video you starting out with the uh monument right next to the border and you can see the you know essentially the mexican border with all the tiles numbered you know where I guess, I guess they can mark if somebody's trying to jump over the fence right and uh i was i've been to that area before for work in my first job and like i had border patrol on me in seconds like did the border tr- patrol kind of come racing up to you you know what's funny you know they didn't come up racing they didn't come racing towards me there's you know i got at the border at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning and when you're going down the road, the town that you go through that's right by the border is called Campo, California. So officially the start is Campo, California. Now this town has no people that live in it. The only people, well, I'm sorry, it has people, but the whole population of the town is border patrol. And so we're going down the road. There's a checkpoint, but it's only for going the other way as we're getting dropped off of the border from a trail angel. And then when we get there, I mean, there's helicopters flying over and, and planes and, and jeeps going each way. And, you know, they're not really right on the trail, but you can hear all the action going around. So they protect that area very well. But, no, we didn't have any run-ins with them. But for about the first two or three days, you're hearing the helicopters, you know, all through the night and during the day. And and how do you get to because it's pretty remote, right? When you get to Campo, how do you, how do you get there? Like what what's the process of trains, planes, automobiles, whatever? If you're coming from the East Coast, for instance. Right, right. So for for me, I took the train to San Diego, and there's a lot of trail angels in San Diego. A lot of ex hikers um, and just trail angels that give people rides to the border monument. Um, a lot of them fill up very quick but luckily we actually scheduled our ride the night before and from san diego so there's an amtrak station and i'm sure there's greyhound and an airport in san diego 
Um, you get a ride. There's a public bus bird shooter that goes down there also, but your best route is just getting a ride from one of the Trail Angels. It's pretty easy if you go to the kickoff webpage, adzpctko.org, I think it is. Um, and it's probably about an hour and a half, two hours south of San Diego. And, yeah, it's remote, and you get dropped off there, and there's the first section's actually 20 miles with no water. And then you come into Lake Marina, which isn't really a town, but that's where the kickoff for the PCT is. Um, and they just have a small little general store. You can get, you know, pizza and some beer. Do they, do they charge? Uh, I mean, the trail angels obviously have, they got to pay for gas. So, I mean, do they do this just out of the goodness of their heart or they have you kick in a few bucks or how does that work? The guy that gave us a ride, um, he, I offered him money and he wouldn't take it. And he, he let us sleep at his house. He picked us up probably about eight o'clock the night before and um took us over to his house asked if we wanted dinner we already ate we went to sleep you know i I couldn't sleep that first night and you know or that last night right before i hit the trail and then the morning he had this you know cantaloupe cut up and bagels and cream cheese and gave us a ride to the trail and no he he didn't want to accept anything he just wanted us he he had some funny views on the trail. He he wanted us to be very prepared, and he told us that we didn't know what we were getting into, which is very interesting. Now, had he actually through hiked, or he had just kind of done? Sections? No, he he had not. No, he had not through hiked. He was he was just helping hikers. And, and what date did you start? I started on the twenty fifth of April. Okay. Gotcha. And you finished October... 26, 26. Oh, that wow. a funny coincidence that I didn't realize until my last day, on my second to last day on the PCT, was that I hiked the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail in the exact same time frame, which is six months and one day. Is that, is that pretty typical for a PCT hiker? I mean, I, I know when I was an AT hiker and I did a six-month trip like you did... That was, um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was atypical, but I was on the slower end, right? So oh, just curious. Well, I mean, on the AT doing a six-month through hike. What uh, what's kind of typical for a PCT hike? Is it typically five, six months? Um, I'd say closer to five months is more average, but I, I'll do it six months every time. You know, I, I look at it the more time you have out there, the better. I want to go slower. You know, I have always wondered why people are in such a hurry. Because, yeah. you know, you never meet anybody that wish they they hiked it faster unless they're well, trying to, they, you know. Probably wrote, they probably wanted the same thing right as soon as they get done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless they're trying to set a record, which I respect. Yeah, but you know, if you're not trying to set a record and you're not going to beat a record, then uh, what's the hurry? Yeah, yeah, and I think that was a a cool dynamic that um, Alex and I shared was that it was her first through hike, and you know, I'd through hiked before, so I knew I know what it takes to get there, you know. So it was cool being like, you know, we could just hang out here for a little bit. There's no rush. We're going to get there. And, you know, I I promise you we'll get there. 
the you know that's the the way to do it. It is funny when people get in this big hurry. I got to do twenty miles every day forever. You know, it's like all right, we can hang out by this lake. How many times are we going to get to hang out by this lake? You know, take your time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess some people are trying to get back to a job or uh, you know school or whatever. But you know, it's kind of a shame because you don't get that time very often. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, everyone you know has their own perspective on on things you know but yeah, yeah you're saying definitely. people have jobs people have families you know hey so give me a pause i'm going to ask you another question that i meant to ask you which is a good one that there's some gear having done two hikes on two major north south trails in the united states that you absolutely cannot live without toilet paper <laughs> what you, come on a frisbee and a headlamp would probably be the three items. <laughs> That's pretty funny. You really carry a Frisbee on both the AT and the PCT? Actually, the same Frisbee. Really? Yes, correct. Yeah, that's a tough question, you know. I mean, I really just carry the basics, you know, tent, sleep mag, and, but those would be three of my favorite items. So did you use the Frisbee for dinner? No, no, just to play, just to play. Okay, so you you did not eat off the Frisbee? I, I mean, I might have, but no, I, I did not eat off the Frisbee. I thought maybe that it was serving two purposes on your hikes. That would be interesting. But yeah. I mean, there's some funny things that we carried. You know, at the end, we carried champagne. I carried pizza and box wine and hot dogs and squirt guns and badminton and you know lunchables and foot long subs and sodas and there's there's been a lot that's been in my backpack yeah i mean i guess anything to get you through the hike right like you know yeah you to, gotta keep it fun you know to help help you along keep it interesting i hear you what i mean you have to have a treasured piece of trail gear and I'll just to get to this, the wheels turning I'll tell you mine okay so I mean most people don't really through hike with a thermarest I believe this day and age I mean I have a chair kit which fits around my thermarest it's a three-quarter um, I think maybe by through hiker standards it would be considered way too heavy these days but um, I do a lot of you know long distance hiking with that and that is by far my most favorite piece of trail gear, but I got I got to ask you yours. Oh, I see. I still have a a ridge rest, just a regular pad. Oh, that's such a tough one, bird shooter. You know, I I really like my having the navigation on my phone to know exactly where I am. Yeah. So how do you keep that thing charged up? Right. Like, do you have some kind of solar little charger system that you use or how's that work yeah it's not not a solar chargeable uh, not a solar charger but like a rechargeable battery so when i'm in town i charge i had two of them i charge those up and that will give me about two two charges when i'm out in the woods so i mean that will last me a week but, but you do that from the sun. You basically just set it on the top of your pack. You let your sun, the sun hit the uh, panel, no, and no, that's how I, it works. I didn't have a solar charger. It was a like an external battery that I would plug into the wall that held a charge. And then uh -huh. when I got in the woods, I would 
So imagine like a highlighter type stick. I'd okay. plug that into my phone and it'd go like that. But the solar power, the solar chargers were very popular in the in the desert. But then as we started getting more and more in the trees, you know, they didn't work as well. But but they do work pretty well in the desert then, huh? Yes, yes, very popular in the desert. Wow, that's cool. I mean, I've never tried one. They're not they're not inexpensive. If I remember, they're I don't know at least seventy eighty bucks, right at minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not cheap. I I recommend the external battery packs over the solar. I mean, obviously the solar's free, but if you're just charging it up in hotels. Huh. Interesting. And what kind of weight are they? Uh, you know, ounces. It's not much weight to take an extra. Yeah, yeah, it's just ounces. Um, I mean, it all depends on the type you have. You know, maybe you could, you know, one of them might weigh a pound, but I mean, it's a good pound to have because you can charge your iPod, your your iPhone. You know, some people bring Nooks and iPads for books and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I enjoyed having that, knowing that like, oh, I can listen to my iPod and let it die and have another charge on my battery. So I, I mean, I, I gotta believe though. That there's a good chunk of the trail that you do not get any cell reception at all. Can you give me some feedback just on? Oh, 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 bird yeah. shooter. Most most of the trail, you're not getting you're not getting reception. I mean, most of Washington, we had no reception. The the only reason the phone was good was for the GPS. So there's an app, um, an application on a on a smartphone called Half Mile, and there's also one called Gut Hook. And on this it picks up GPS satellites, so it doesn't work. You don't need cell phone service. You just need the satellite service, which worked, you know, more than nine, you know, nine, nine out of ten times. And it would tell you exactly what mile marker you're at. You're at 918.5, and there's water and, you know, half a mile. So, so I got to ask you, because I know the CDT, like and you you don't get this on the AT right anybody that's uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail that's you know even done a through hike the navigation's not really super critical I mean it's you know it's pretty much follow the white places you're good to go I know on the CDT it's mandatory you can't do the CDT without it but like is the PCT somewhere in between or is it still pretty heavy on your navigation um, you know I didn't carry maps. Um, Alex had maps. There's, I, I, I recommend if you do it for sure, carry maps. Um, there's plenty of trail crossings that we crossed and road crossings where if you didn't have maps, you might get confused because you might go down a road for a half a mile, you know, to the right, and you're like, which way do I go? Or there might be a trail junction, unlike the AT, where there's nothing that says Pacific Crest Trail this way. It's just a diff, you know, different trail names. Um, so it wasn't like the AT. I, yeah, I figured this, I know the CDT is a whole different beast with navigation. But, yeah, you need maps. Um, it'd be foolish not to have them. But a lot of the times, hikers before you or, you know, what I would do if I came to a crossing in the dirt, you know, people draw arrows for each other, you know. So you pretty much just follow an arrow. And if you don't see an arrow... Then, you know, you look in your guidebook or on half mile, and, you know, I might walk 100 feet just to make sure I'm going down the right way with the GPS. Hey, so how critical is uh, having, like, a, a, a some kind of smartphone with GPS built in? How, how critical is that, or can you pretty much get by with just the maps? 
you could you could easily get by with just the maps. The the app just makes it easier for the lazy American. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I did. Did I tell you about the time I got lost, Bird Shooter? And no, no, you did not. I well, so this was towards the beginning of the trail. I came to a place where we followed this highway, Highway Two. This was a uh, outside of oh. Not Idlewild, Wrightwood, uh, and I we crossed this highway a couple times, and we go to I go to cross this one section of highway. I was hiking alone at this time, and there's this guy in this RV, and I start talking to him for a few minutes, and I forgot which way I was going, and I went the wrong way on the highway, and I took another trail called the Manzita Trail, and I knew that the PCT was supposed to be going uphill. So about a half mile into it, I start going downhill. And it didn't feel right, but I figured, you know, sometimes it just goes down and up. All of a sudden, I look over, or no, no. So there was this one point of the trail um, outside of Wrightwood where we crossed this highway three or four times. And I cross over it this one time. There's this guy in this RV that that talks me up, and I kind of just get turned around and I, I go down the trail on the wrong side of the highway and I, I don't realize it but I know I was supposed to be going up and I'm going down and all of a sudden I see the hind legs and the tail of this mountain lion, a cougar, go about 40 feet ahead of me on the trail and this is in the desert and he disappears. At first I'm like, oh boy, that's not good but then I'm thinking, He's doing his thing. Uh, I'm doing my thing. He, he, he didn't, you know, turn around. And I didn't realize that cougars aren't like that. He's not just going to walk away. He's not like his little baby deer. And so I walk, a, I don't know, a couple more miles. And I just didn't feel like turning around after walking by the cougar. And I looked on my cell phone and I pulled up my half mile app. And I realized that I was three miles off the PCT on the Manzita Trail. And I called my dad to let him know that I was safe. I had water and food, but just a heads up, I'm not on the PCT right now. I'll call you later. And my phone dies. And as my phone's dying, I hear something in the woods. And so I start yelling at the bushes. And then the phone dies. So I'm like, oh, boy, now my dad's going to be worried sick. <laughs> and you, you know it. So I knew that was a mistake. And my mom answered. I said, put Dad on the phone. I said, Dad, don't tell Mom. And, of course, when I get off the phone now, he's worried. So he tells Mom. And my brother's looking up on Google Maps where I am. And it was pretty funny. And so I walk another mile or so. I want to keep going down this hill. I want to turn it back around. And I look over to my left. And on the side of the hill this cougar, bright yellow eyes, is just staring down right at me. I mean, just 20 feet away. And I look at him for about two seconds, and I was like, holy cow. And I look at him, and then I just kept walking down the hill. And I was shaking. I was petrified. There, It's a pretty intense moment to see a, a cougar staring down at you. And then thinking like, oh, he's just followed me for the last three miles. I wonder what he's thinking. And so I walk just until I get, I know he's not like right behind me or hopefully he's not. 
and I slide. I see these trailers down on the desert floor, and I'm probably about, I don't know, 800 feet, 1,000 feet up. And so I, there's this old rock slide, and I literally just put one foot behind myself and one foot ahead and lean back, and it's a steep grade, and I just slide down this hill, and I run up to these trailers. I'm, well, I had to bushwhack a bunch just to get there, and finally some the fourth trailer I go to, someone's home, and it was totally like a weird desert the hills have eyes like where a weird thing would horror story would happen in the desert but real nice people they made me sandwiches and and drove me back to town but the guy told me that that his neighbor Hector was has seen this cougar eight times and the cougars hunt in a 50 mile radius and he's been there for a while and he said that the only thing that saved my life was my big backpack and I was wearing a sombrero. And <laughs> the cougar wants to strike you in the back of the neck, so he, he didn't have that that option. I thought that was pretty funny. A sombrero saved my life. Hey, that that's the way to roll. You you don't get that on the AT. No, if, <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're not. Yeah, I don't think there's any cougars out out there. But I mean, no one. You, it, seeing a cougar is one of like the rarest things you know you can see out out in the wild. They're very stealthy. It's like you know a cougar. You, you don't see cougars. You don't see see wolverines. You know, very rare. So it was yep. a, it was a blessing, but I, I was I was pretty pretty intimidated in that moment. The only cougars on the AT are in Connecticut, um, in Kent, Connecticut. <laughs> There's probably a few in Vermont too. <laughs> I think you're right. Somewhere <laughs> around Killington. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Or uh Manchester Center. Yes. Yes, probably. <laughs> I love that town actually. I really enjoyed that town. Yeah, I, that is a cool town. Well the the Green Mountain State. I like I love Vermont. And that was your first taste of you know, that was the Pacific Northwest reminds me a lot of, you know, the Northeast. You know, when you're getting in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, that's where we have our evergreens and our, our high ridges. And a lot of the West Coast, you know, reminded me a little bit about that. And there was moments that reminded me of the Smokies, too. It's it's funny, you go right across the country, you go across the country and there's so many differences, but there's so many times where you're like, oh, this reminds me of, you know, this back home or this, you know, so many differences, but so much is still the same. Yeah, I mean, so God, I hate to ask you this question because it, it's hard. But um, if you were going to do a hike again, PCT or AT? I mean, uh, let's just go with the fact you're going to do the CDT. So that's a given. That's over. Right. But if you were... Let's just say you've already done the CDT and you had to choose between the AT and the PCT. Dude, that's just a that's a mean question, bro. <laughs> I gotta know. I gotta know. All right, all right. Um, I'm I'm biased. I I fell in love on the PCT. Um, I I I do them both in the same season. I'd southbound the AT and then northbound the uh, PCT. Same season. Wow, that's a that's a great answer. That is that is a good answer. You can't argue with that. <laughs> but I, I, it's so tough on the 
on the on the AT Mount Musalak was was probably you know obviously Katahdin's you know the the champ but that was one of my favorite mountains I, I cowboy camped up there and you hit so many summits on the AT and and you get into this big thrill where you just love going up and up and climbing and and you get to do a lot of that in New Hampshire and Maine you know and that was something you don't get on the PCT you don't get the summit signs and you don't get the Oh boom! I'm out of the green tunnel and in the alpine, you know, and I and I can see everywhere. So it, I mean, they're two different beasts that have so much beauty. On on the AT high up is you know four thousand feet. On the PCT, you know, it's nine, ten, eleven thousand feet. Are, are are you suggesting they put more signs on the PCT to thank you, <laughs> thank you for your hard to thank you for your hard work? No, it wasn't about the size. There's just something <laughs> that's funny. There's something about climbing a mountain, you know. No, I hear you. Well, you also want to get to a mountain and see a sign that said that you uh, did something, because it's a lot of freaking work. I like the piece. The PCT was see. See, it's hard when like people ask which one's harder, which one's easier, because mentally they're they're both. Not easy, but when you have a passion for something and and you love it, it it's not hard. You en, you enjoy it when it's hard. You know, it's not that it's easy, but but you enjoy the you know the difficulty to it. So I mean, both of them are are treasures. Um, the well, AT is my baby, but the, the PCT is is mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, but you know, also the PCT is an extra what four hundred miles. So uh, don't 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 discount the fact that that's an extra pretty much month on the trail if you don't unless you jack up your mileage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they they say that. Well, the thing is that you can just on the AT most people don't do you know twenties on average. Um, so it's a lot different on the on the PCT. You're able to crunch out so many miles that, you know, I'd say the PCT is five months, AT is six months. I did them so, both in six months. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. So I was like you. You and I roll the same way. But um, so the so doing a twenty on the PCT is, I mean, you know, assuming you're in shape, it's not it's not a killer, is what I'm hearing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, depending on. I mean, I did a twenty mile day my first day. Um, so it all depends on, I mean, it's not, you, you still got to be in, in shape, you know, but I'd compare a 20 on the PCT to maybe a, a 14 mile day on the AT. So that's an average day on the AT, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's good to know. There's hope for me. There is hope for me. Thank you, oh, Casey. Oh, bird shooter, you would, you would eat up 20s. You, you've given me a future, my friend. <laughs> I, I hope you get the chance, man, and I'll, I'll come out and do some trail magic for you, brother. Hey, not to uh, not to kind of plant the seed for you, but let me just tell you, you got to do it now, buddy, because uh, <laughs> when you start collecting assets like houses and cars, it gets very difficult. And kids, kids, well, that changes everything. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine a kid would be a big game changer. Well, it's not even the financial. Um, it's not even the finan. Well, excuse me. It's yeah. It's it's not even the financial situation there. It's the uh, you know you don't want to leave your family, right? You don't want to leave your wife for six months. You don't want to leave your kids for six months. 
I mean, if I could if I could pump anything into your head right now, my man, go, go, go. <laughs> it's time. Hit it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm I'm gonna keep I'm gonna do it for as uh as long as I can. As long as I can. Hey, but to to also in I don't know if you listened to the Troubadour podcast, which was uh the last one, right before this one. But one of the comments he said was that he um didn't give himself enough time between the PCT and CDT, and he didn't enjoy the CDT as much because of it. So I, th- I think you're taking the right move on that. Because he didn't have enough time in between? Yes. He felt like he rushed it. He went right back into a through hike because uh, there was some um, economic situations that caused him to lo- lose his job, and I think he just kind of went out there to hike for you know 1,000 miles and ended up hiking the whole thing. But I, I don't think he was ready. You know, I don't think he was ready for another through hike. Right. And, um, you know, I think you got to do it when you're mentally ready because you and I both know it's not a physical thing, right? It's a mental thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, everyone's different. If it was up to me, I would hike the PCT right now again. Really? Oh, totally. I mean, that's... I, Ever since I've got off the PCT, I've been thinking about it. I miss, you miss it. You miss it. I, I want to live in the woods forever, bird shooter, forever. <laughs> well, you can be like that guy in Maine that basically, uh, what, spent 30 years in the woods. And Did you read about him, the hermit? Yeah, yeah I saw that. Well, I want to like have enough money to do that kind of comfortably. <laughs> oh, and, and, and not like rob cabins that are in the area? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to do it more like I have my own cabin in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. That's funny. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I mean some people feel like you should space it out, but that's the happiest I am out, out in those woods wherever they may be. That's that's when I find my peace. You you got to do it when it's right for you, man. And you know what? What's right for you is different for every person. Oh, exactly, exactly. There, There is no correct answer to that. Everyone's situation is entirely different, you know. There's no right way to through-hike. I think the main thing is you just have to mentally want it, and you have to, like, just do it. Those are the two things that have to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're doing this podcast, my man. It's just to uh, help others that uh, just need the push, the That's push right. to get out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you got to get, you got to admit the hardest part is just taking that first step, you know, like, you know, if if you're going to go out there and do a through hike, you've got to have money in the bank. You've got to, you've got to walk away from something, whatever that is. Yeah. It it could be a job. It could be a, you know, a spouse or a family or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a little scary, man. It's not easy. No, I girlfriend, whatever. I think everyone that starts there there's nobody bird shooter that starts a long distance hike and isn't nervous about it, you know, especially if you've never done it before, but even after you've done it, there's always something that's like, you know, what am I getting into? And of course you you're apprehensive, but it's amazing that after just a couple of days out there everyone's like, "Oh my god, this feels so good." Hey, so dude, I'll I'll uh, I'll share you. 30-pack a, a tail for my first night in the wilderness. Okay, my, awesome. My, my, uh, my sister lived in Atlanta. Okay. 
which was really convenient to Springer Mountain. And uh, one of my right. best my best friend that I grew up with that I knew my whole life I knew him since I was in kindergarten. He also lived in Atlanta. And uh, so when I decided I was going to do the trail, I was in Chicago. It was cold. It was snowing. And I was watching a video on the AT, and it was spring, and it was beautiful, and the flowers were blooming. And I, uh, I knew at that time it was right for me. So my sister and my buddy, who was my neighbor, took me to the trail, and they dropped me off at like 3.30 at uh, the very top of Amakulua Falls, which, you know, where the approach trail starts. Right, right. And uh, I was terrified, man. Because, <laughs> I mean, to be frank with you, I, uh, you know, it's weird when you have this dream, this this dream that you've had, like, for months, and all of a sudden this dream is kind of a reality. Yeah. It's it's uh it's kind of terrifying, right? Like it's it's well, terrifying and it's so like it's such a surreal feeling like what am I getting into? <laughs> well, it, you know, the weirdest point for me was when I went from um dreaming about something to it actually happening. Mm. And that was that was really really powerful. Um but anyway, I was fortunate that night to meet two other thru-hikers that, um, for whatever reason, got dropped off late. And thank God that a storm was coming through. And uh, I decided to camp, and I don't know if you saw it, but there's like a little shelter at the base of the the Amakula Falls right near the visitor center. Right. And I met two other thru-hikers that night, and um, they had all this information about the trail. They were super knowledgeable. Anybody else that I had talked to in 1994, they didn't know shit about the trail. They didn't know anything <laughs> about it. And I met these two people that, like, were so, so, like, well-informed about the trail and were excited about it and were enthusiastic about it. And that just saved my ass that night. I mean, that was uh, yeah, that was, that was big, man. I mean, that, that basically, like, laid a solid foundation for six months on the trail, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it's funny that how things just work out out there. Yeah. Well, I think it's the community. I think the community is what uh what makes it what it is, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh oh, the community around I probably all the, you know, I haven't done the CDT, but the the community around the PCT and the AT are are uh, amazing. Uh, amazing the the support that people give you just out of the generosity of their hearts. So I would argue I would argue, and you got to ask your PCT friends, um, and well, or people that have hiked both the AT and the PCT. I, I believe that the PCT today is the AT in the '80s. You know, like the kind of early sort of explosion of. I think the PCT is going to explode. I really do. And I think you know, the C the first CDT. Year, first year, it's already exploded. But I mean, like exploded to the tune of like. 3,000 hikers a year. I know, but I mean, 1,000. I mean, the beginning of the PCT was very similar to my experience at the beginning of the AT. Like, and a lot of that was because of water caches. You had to go 25 miles. So there's 30, you know, there's 30, 40 hikers at, at one of the hot, at Ziggy and the Bears, you know, one of the Trail Angels houses. There was probably 70 people there. Um, 
so there's big numbers. I mean, but they died off, and a lot of people are going a lot faster. But, I mean, the PCT, I didn't notice a huge difference. The numbers were lower, you know, but, but there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, I, I still, I mean, my gut is the PCT is where the AT was, not not in terms of conditions, because it sounds good, but in terms of numbers. Right, right. It seems like the numbers are somewhere around the late 80s, early 90s. I, I think the PCT is going to explode, and I think the CDT is the PCT of tomorrow. That's my that's my prediction. Really? I think really? so. I mean, I think like... Uh, well, they got to finish the CDT first, right? Yeah, but this is this is gonna do it, man. This is gonna drive it. Yeah, like yeah, podcasts, no, I, movies. You know, I, I see what you're saying. Well, you heard they're making a Walk in the Woods movie too, with Robert Robert Redford's directing it. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, I mean, the rights have been bought for that for a while. Oh, we'll, oh really? That's old news. Yeah, we'll see when it happens. I mean, I, it'll happen for sure. Because I think what's gonna happen is when Cheryl Strayed's movie comes out, it's gonna drive the, you know, the whole the interest in the sport and I bet you Bill Bryson's book follows because I mean that book was a huge huge national seller you know yeah yeah well see I think well the PCT is um it's difficult to blow up a, a trail when you're when you're telling people you know just so you know there's going to be you know there's no water for the first 20 miles and then there's you know another dozen 20 to 30 mile stretches with no water not a lot of people want to do that you know you know, I mean, for somebody that hadn't hiked before, that's a that's a that's a wake up call, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And then there's a lot of people that step out there that you know feel the dream, they feel the passion, but you know that's a that's a tough reality check. Yeah, PCT is definitely not a um, trail that you want to you know you want to know a little bit of what what you're doing. You know, there's not there's not road crossings everywhere. For you to have a escape route, but a, a lot of you know a lot of people know what they're getting into when they when they do things or they get the hang of it pretty quickly. Yeah, well, you got a lot more information out there today that just didn't exist twenty years ago. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, between the internet and I mean, it's so easy to get a map now. You can just print it off on your home computer, and they have applications with GPS and. It's way beyond the compass and paper days. <laughs> Is there any any last final, all encompassing, get people fired up thoughts here? Oh boy, I don't know, bird shooter man. That that's probably the toughest one. You know, I never know what to say. To, I mean, if I if I want to fire someone up, I just say it's something that you will never regret in your life. It will be the best decision of your life will be that moment when you say, I'm going to through hike a long distance trail and you go out and do it. I mean, it's, there's nothing that doesn't bleed happiness more than when you cut into that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So if you want to smile and you want to be happy and you want to see things that you've never seen before and you like adventure and you like love and smiles and hugs and magical experiences then you should hike the pacific crest trail or some long distance trail yeah dude i couldn't agree with you more but yeah i mean it, it was 
Thank you, Bertrand. This this was fun. It was it was real special for me. All the things that happened this year. It was definitely impactful. Like raising the money for kids was really touching to me. And when in January this year, my my grandmother passed away, and that was a very tough time for me. But since the Appalachian Trail, I've looked at life a lot differently. So I didn't resort to old behaviors, so to speak. And I, a lot of my grieving, I, I got out on the on the trail in the woods, just looking up at the sky. So that had a big effect on on my hike. And then and then falling in love with with Alex was was great. So there was a lot of good stuff, uh, amazing stuff that happened to me this year that made this trail just a phenomenal memory that obviously will never die. All right, brother. Well, hey, man, have a good night. Take care out there. Yeah. We will go camping again, Bird Shooter. Dude, I feel it. I feel it. I might have to come see you in Seattle. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, man. Take care. All right, take care. Have a good night. All right, see you. Thanks for listening to the N2 Backpacking Podcast. This is Bird Shooter wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this podcast, visit Apple's iTunes store or download them directly at n2backpacking.com from the podcast tab on the secondary menu. Music from this podcast was provided by the John Zed Band. For more information on this Atlanta-based musician, visit his website at johnzed.com. That's johnzedd.com. Or search for his latest release through iTunes. This podcast is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2 Backpacking. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.